Heal Thyself Using a Holistic Approach with Dr. Eric Madrid. Welcome to podcast number two. Did you know that certain medications that you or possibly family members are currently taking may actually be depleting essential vitamins and minerals from your body? So if you are taking acid reducers, diabetic medications, cholesterol medications, blood pressure medicines, or birth control pills, you're going to want to stay tuned and listen to the information that I'm sharing in this podcast. Okay. So also, if you like this music, you can hear it playing in the background. This is uh, Young Karts, K-A-R-T-Z. Young is Y-U-N-G. And his music can be found on uh, freemusicarchive.org. So we appreciate this good beat that he's, uh, that he's playing. All right. So basically, as you know, prescription medications and many over-the-counter medications play a very important role in symptom management and the treatment of chronic health conditions. Obviously, first and foremost, diet and exercise should be the first medicine that a person uses in order to help control their health conditions. However, frequently that's not enough, and so medications are necessary. Here's an interesting fact that I came across. Okay, the, the U.S. population accounts for less than 5% of the world's population. Okay, specifically, we're about 4.3%. But we're less than 5% of the world's 7.5 billion people. However, we in America consume 25% of the pharmaceutical drugs. Okay, let that sink in for a second. We are less than 5% of the people, but consume one quarter of all the drugs in the world. Okay, this is ridiculous. Now, an interesting thing too, a lot of people don't realize is that we've all seen pharmaceutical ads on the television and, and newspapers, and, uh, magazines, and even online. But believe it or not, the United States is one of the only two countries, the other being New Zealand, that actually allows pharmaceutical companies to advertise directly to consumers. Okay, this is called direct-to-consumer advertising. So it's my opinion that these drug companies are basically sending messages directly to us consumers, making us think, and perhaps making us even feel that we have drug or we have diseases and conditions that can only be uh, met with pharmaceutical drugs. So again, you know, look at my disclaimer at the end of this uh, podcast. There's, you know, if your doctor is putting you on medications, you do need to continue taking those medications. You cannot just stop taking the medications without consulting first with your um, with your physician. Okay, so that's a very important disclaimer. So despite our high use of pharmaceutical drugs here in the United States, the United States ranks 31st in the world when it comes to lifespan. We have an average lifespan of 79 years, according to Wikipedia. Okay, interestingly, smokers will take about 10 years off of that. So if you're a smoker, stop smoking. Okay, Japan is on the top of the list with uh, the longest lifespan where the average Japanese Citizen is expected to live 83.7 years, while Japanese women are actually living for almost 87 years. Uh, Chinese have an average lifespan of about 76 years and rank 53rd in the world, while those in Russia can expect to live about 70 years and six months, and that ranks about 110. Um, As we mentioned earlier, really the goal is to avoid prescription and non-prescription drugs, 
and focusing on diet and lifestyle changes and keeping your weight at a healthy level. Okay, so in this podcast, we're going to review five common prescription drugs and we're going to learn about the vitamins and minerals, which they actually rob from your body. Okay, so again, depending on your current health status, these medications that you've been prescribed and taking may absolutely be necessary. Again, do not stop them without the guidance of your physician. However, um, by making some of these diet and lifestyle and exercise changes in your daily routine, you might be able to eventually wean off of them, perhaps at least get to a lower dose of your um, current medication. Okay, so the first class of medications we are going to discuss are acid reducers. Okay, acid reducers, are medications which do just that. They reduce the amount of acid your stomach is producing. Okay, a poor diet is frequently one of the main reasons many people will develop acid reflux. Some will have a uh, what's called a hiatal hernia, and this can also be cause of a, a cause of acid reflux. Acid reflux is also referred to by some as GERD, which stands for gastroesophageal reflux disease. Some people call it heartburn. Other people call it dyspepsia or indigestion. It's all essentially the same thing, okay? The sale of acid-reducing medications have become a billion-dollar business worldwide. In uh, 2013 alone, prescription acid reducers made or generated over $10 billion in the U.S. alone, right? Worldwide, that number is probably close to $40 billion. So let me, let me tell you a story about a patient that I had, okay? Th- this patient came to see me uh, a while back, and she was new to me, and she was about 40 years old and 50 pounds overweight, and she had scheduled an appointment to see me so she could request refill medications. Now, anyone who knows me and who's a patient of mine will know that one of the first things I try to do is get people off of medications. Um, so this patient told me that she needed a refill on her acid, mes- uh, on her acid um, reducing medication. Specifically, she was taking a drug called omeprazole, which is also known as Prilosec uh, around the world. She told me that she'd been on it for several years and she took it to control her acid reflux symptoms. However, you know, knowing that this medication could cause problems long term, I figured I'd ask her some questions. I asked her, why do you get acid reflux? Right? Well, what causes your acid reflux? And she basically and honestly, and I appreciate her honesty, she replied that anytime she drank soda, anytime she ate chili cheese dogs and hot dogs and consumed potato chips, she would get heartburn symptoms. Right, pretty sounds like a no-brainer to most of us. So I asked her, "Well, what happens if you don't eat those foods?" And she says, "Well, I don't get any acid reflux." So I asked her back. I said, "Hey, to clarify, I said, so let me get this straight. You want me to give you a refill on your medication so you can continue to eat all this junk food and all this crap?" And she looked at me with a blank stare, and she says, "I never thought of it that way." And the light bulb kind of went on and she told me specifically, she says, you know what? I think I'm going to change my diet and I'll let you know how I do. And uh, if I still need a refill on the medication, I will go ahead and uh, contact you. Well, you know, she never did contact me. And six months later, she was doing great and no longer needed her medication. She had lost about 10 pounds. And, um, you know, this, this is really just a great example of of how someone making a lifestyle change can long-term really improve their overall health. 
Okay, and fortunately, medications like these, they give permission to people. They give permission to people to eat food that they should not be eating. And, and doctors frequently will partake in this, um, in this situation. And we are basically encouraging and accomplices and uh, contributing to, to the poor health of, of many people. So we as doctors also need to focus more on encouraging diet and lifestyle changes. All right. The, the FDA originally approved these acid reducer medications to treat stomach ulcers and, and occasional symptoms of acid reflux. However, they were supposed to be given for about four to eight weeks for acid reflux and even for acids and, or even for ulcers, maybe 12 weeks for ulcers. And after that, the ulcer would heal up, the acid reflux would improve. And, um, and you know, that was it. Patients would stop taking them. However, many patients started taking these medications for many months in many years, in some cases, even decades. And, uh, and there, this is where the problem lies, right? Now, there is a precancerous condition that one may have. It's called Barrett's esophagus. And the guidelines do recommend that these people be on acid reducer medications lifelong. However, this is really a small minority of the people who use these medications. So again, if you do have Barrett's esophagus, do not stop taking your acid reducing medication, but you might want to take some of the uh, vitamins and minerals that we're going to discuss here. So again, to further break it down, there's two classes of acid reducers. Okay, these include uh, what are called histamine blockers, H2 blockers. These are not as strong as the other class, which is known as a proton pump inhibitor. Okay, the histamine blockers will include medications like ranitidine, also known as Zantac, famotidine, known as Pepsid or Pepsid-AC, cimetidine, known as Tagamet, and then we have the stronger class of acid reducers called proton pump inhibitors, sometimes referred to as PPIs. Okay, these medications include omeprazole, which goes by the brand name Prilosec, Prilosec over-the-counter, or Zegarid. Uh, there's also what's known as the purple pill, ezomeprazole, also known as Nexium. There's medications such as Pantoprazole, which include Protonics. And there's also some other brand name medications out there called Dexalant and Asafex. Okay, so if you're taking these medications, you want to listen to this information. All right, stomach acid, obviously it's produced for a reason, okay? It was not simply a, uh, a mistake on God's part, okay? Acid is produced for a reason and it helps kill germs before they enter into our intestinal tract, okay? If we eat food that has parasites, viruses, and bacteria, the acid will actually help reduce and kill these germs so that they do not cause us uh, um, illness. In addition, acid helps to break down acid, uh, proteins into amino acid and it helps us to absorb nutrients, okay? So, for example, people who are iron deficient need stomach acid to help absorb that iron, okay? Acid also helps us to absorb vitamin B12 from the food that we eat. Uh, so, it's important to have a healthy amount of acid. Um, however, diet will sometimes cause either excess acid to be formed or it will actually cause the valve or the sphincter, which separates the esophagus from the stomach to open up. And the end result is a, a bad diet will cause reflux of even a small amount of acid, giving the uh, impression that there's a excess acid. So when the above, med when these medications that we just talked about were taken for periods longer than intended, nutritional deficiencies can arise, okay? So the nutrients that are depleted by 
acid reducers include the five following. So listen closely. Okay, number one, magnesium. Okay, this will frequently be depleted. Matter of fact, if you're on one of these acid reducers and getting a lot of muscle cramps, eyelid spasms, uh, overactive bladder, frequent urination, migraine headaches, you may have a um, magnesium deficiency. Uh, calcium can also be depleted. And as we know, calcium is important for bone growth. So those who are on these medications for long term will actually be at increased risk for um, for a um, for osteoporosis, a bone uh, bone weakness. Iron can be uh, malabsorbed. Zinc levels will frequently be deficient when people are low in zinc. They may end up with uh, dry skin. May end up with poor memory. Uh, vitamin D also can be um, reduced. And actually, there's six. The other one, as I mentioned before, was vitamin B12. So low levels of B12 can also lead to neuropathy, memory loss, forgetfulness, uh, numbness and tingling in your fingers and toes. Okay. In addition, these chronic acid-reducing medications can lead to an overgrowth of bad bacteria in the gut. And this can really disrupt the balance, uh, the healthy bacteria balance in the intestinal tract and uh, those who are also on these um, proton pump inhibitors specifically more so than the acid reducers are at increased risk for a bacterial infection of the gut called C. diff or Clostridium difficile, which can be very difficult to treat. And unfortunately, almost weekly or every other week, I'm admitting someone to the hospital uh, for, for our medical group who has um, this infection, which can also be uh, made worse by antibiotics. So it's not just the proton pump inhibitors. All right, so if you're taking these, uh, these prescriptions and you're unable to get off them, uh, again, work closely with your doctor. Uh, people who've been on them for more than 12 weeks may develop a rebound uh, reflux, meaning that just the, fear, the, the, the sheer fact of stopping them, you'll actually get acid reflux. So a lot of people will have to start taking them every other day for a while, then go to every third day in order to help um, restore their um, digestive system. Okay, so the second class of medications are uh, diabetic medications, right? So uh, if you're a diabetic, obviously do not stop taking your medication unless you are told to do so by your doctor. However, I've had many, many patients who made uh, radical dietary changes and were able to get off of the diabetic medications, including, um, including uh, insulin. So a common diabetic drug, however, used to uh, control blood sugar is called metformin also known as glucophage. This medication does a great job lowering blood sugar uh, and may cause various nutritional deficiencies, including a vitamin B12 deficiency. Okay, metformin is also used to help uh, women with polycystic ovary disease, which is frequently associated with um, elevated insulin levels. So anyway, but B12 deficiency is associated with numbness and tingling in the lower legs, right? So this is something a doctor will call a peripheral neuropathy. Now, ironically, those with diabetes can also end up with neuropathy due to uh, chronic damage from the elevated blood sugars. So if you or anyone you know has symptoms of diabetic neuropathy, it's important to check a vitamin B12 level, especially if they've been on uh, metformin for long term. Now realize, even if they are low in vitamin B12, simply replacing the B12 does not necessarily mean the neuropathy will go away. If the damage or the deficiency has um, been too excessive, 
then um, unfortunately the damage may or the neuropathy may persist. But I have had patients who have noticed some improvement when they do take B12 levels um, when they were low. Okay, so the uh, it's important though again if you're on metformin, ask your physician to measure your B12 level. Most laboratory um, in the U.S. and around the world will report a normal B12 level being between 200 and 1100 picograms per milliliter. All right, but many integrative health uh, medicine, uh, many integrative uh, physicians and even uh, progressive neurologists will recommend blood levels above 500 picograms per milliliter. So again, have your doctor check your B12 level and if he or she tells you that it's normal, don't assume that it's normal. Ask specifically what the number is and your goal is to get that level above 500. Other nutrients that are depleted by metformin in addition to B12 include vitamin B6 and coenzyme Q10. When vitamin B6 is low, it's not uncommon for some mild depression to sink in. And when coenzyme Q10 is low, people could have symptoms of fatigue and even some muscle, um, muscle damage and some muscle pain. Uh, if you're on other class of diabetic medicines, I couldn't find really any evidence that they lowered uh, certain nutrients. There's a class of medications called sulfonylureas, which uh, include medications like glipizide, uh, glimepiride, and glyburide. There's no evidence that those will diminish B12. There's a class of medications called TZDs, which stands for thiazolidine diones. This includes a medication uh, pioglitazone or Actos. Again, no evidence that that will cause any uh, de um, depletion of medications. And there's other newer medications out there as well, uh, including insulin and also um, GLP-1 inhibitors um, and so on. But again, these uh, the alpha glucosidase inhibitors, meglitinides, uh, some of these other classes, no evidence um, that they will cause any other problems. So metformin is really the main one you need to focus on and be aware of that it could be problematic. Okay, so the third class of medications that we're going to talk about are cholesterol medications, okay? Sales of these medications uh, have been a multi-billion dollar business. These medications include drugs such as Simvastatin, also known as Zocor, Atorvastatin, known as Lipitor, Lovastatin, known as Mevacor, uh, Ruvastatin, known as Crestor, and there's a few others, but those are essentially the main ones. Okay, e even though high cholesterol itself does not cause heart attacks or strokes, again, listen to that, even though heart attacks, or high, even though high cholesterol itself does not cause heart attack or strokes, it is a leading risk factor. Okay, 50% of those people who've had heart attacks actually have normal cholesterol, right? These cholesterol medicines uh, among those who have heart disease can be very helpful. If you've had a heart attack, if you've had a stroke, the evidence would suggest that these medications can help prevent you from having recurrent heart attacks and strokes, all right? But again, a cholesterol medication is not a good uh, replacement for a healthy diet. I once had this patient years ago who... Um, who had had a massive heart attack and he was in the hospital. He ended up having open heart bypass surgery and he came to follow up with me and to, you know, after his uh, discharge from the hospital. And so I asked him a simple question because you've had a massive uh, heart attack, because you've had 
open heart bypass surgery, how has your diet and how will your diet change over the next, you know, remaining part of your life? And he looked at me like he was actually kind of confused. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, okay, well, you've had a heart attack. You almost died. How are you going to change your diet now that this has occurred? You know, was this an eye-opening event for you? And he says, doctor, I don't need to change my diet. He's all, I take cholesterol-lowering medication and my cholesterol looks great. That was his basic take on all this, okay? To me, that was actually quite, quite scary because it, it made me realize that there's many, many people out there who are taking these medications uh, in spite of making dietary changes. They're using it as a crutch to, to live an unhealthy life and they have a false sense of uh, security that uh, medicine doctors and medications will basically be able to wipe away all the, uh, all the bad choices and it does not work that way, right? So, however, these medications, again, can be very important, uh, but they can also cause some side effects, all right? Cholesterol-lowering medications can cause one's body to produce less coenzyme Q10. This is a, a nutrient that's extremely important for the cell's mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of our cells. Um, coenzyme Q10 is a, is a uh, molecule that helps our body to transport electrons, okay? And this is, again, might be above the podcast level here, but this is very important in order for us to have adequate energy levels. Low, ev- uh, low levels of CoQ10 in the blood, and I've tested them before in patients, um, may present with muscle aches, all right? And that's what some people will notice when they take these medications, they do get muscle aches, and that's probably a, a leading reason people stop taking them. Uh, frequently, supplementing with coenzyme Q10 is enough to eliminate the muscle aches. Not always, but, but in many times it does. Um, I've had also some patients report that when they take vitamin D, that their muscle aches will go away, uh, especially when caused by a cholesterol-lowering medication. Um, some people will take uh, red yeast rice as well as a more natural alternative, but I'll be honest, I haven't been real impressed with the results. Um, the nutrients depleted, again, with this are primarily coenzyme Q10 and possibly vitamin D. So if you're taking a cholesterol-lowering medication, you may consider taking a coenzyme Q10 supplement anywhere between 50 to uh, 300 milligrams per day, and then a vitamin D supplement probably anywhere between 1,000 units and 5,000 units daily. Okay, guys, so we got two more classes of medications. So the fourth class is a diuretic blood pressure medications. There are many classes of blood pressure medications, right? They include beta blockers, uh, ACE inhibitors, calcium channel blockers, uh, ARBs, as they are known. But this specifically, we're referring to diuretics, okay? Diuretics are frequently used as first-line therapy for the treatment of high blood pressure. These These medications do an amazing job in lowering blood pressure. Um, and the diuretics will go by names such as hydrochlorothiazide, also known as HCTZ. All right, this medication may also be part of a combination pill. You'll see it with uh, maybe benazepril HCT or lisinopril HCT. Uh, the HCT is a reference to the hydrochlorothiazide diuretic. All right, there also are uh, there also is a medication called triamterine hydrochlorothiazide. And this goes by the uh, brand names of diazide or maxide. And as you can tell, the brand names maxide or diazide is a lot easier to pronounce than the, uh, the long 30-letter uh, name of triamterine hydrochlorothiazide. Uh, 
if you're taking chlorothaladone and possibly even furosemide, also known as Lasix. These also are diuretics and can frequently deplete certain nutrients. Okay, these medications, the most common nutrient deficiencies that we'll see are those of potassium and magnesium, in addition to them causing mild uh, dehydration. All right, so to, to recap, the nutrients that are depleted by the diuretic blood pressure medications can be calcium, magnesium, potassium, vitamin C, vitamin B1, which is known as thiamine, vitamin B6, which is known as pyridoxine, and zinc. Okay, some of the symptoms of a deficiency um, from this class may include muscle spasms and leg cramps, overactive bladder, increased tension headaches. If you're low in vitamin C, you may end up with some more bruising or some bleeding gums. And if you're low in, uh, in vitamin B1 and B6, again, that can be associated with memory or um, maybe some symptoms of depression. Uh, if you're going to be supplementing with the uh, supplements that are recommended for uh, those on these medications, at minimum, a, a excellent multivitamin would be important, but you may need to take 500 milligrams of calcium, maybe between 125 to 500 milligrams of a magnesium chelate. Uh, that's a uh, chelate is spelled C-H-E-L-A-T-E, -E, and that's a, uh, a form of magnesium that's... Um, where the magnesium is bound to a, uh, an amino acid, so this will help with the absorption um, and less likely to have diarrhea um, with the magnesium chelate. Less like, you're less likely to have diarrhea than if you're taking a magnesium uh, oxide version. Uh, potassium can be found in the multivitamin or your doctor may prescribe that separately. Uh, vitamin C, maybe 500 milligrams once or twice a day, a B-complex, uh, and then zinc, 10 to 25 milligrams, which is usually present in a quality uh, multivitamin. All right. So if you're having a lot of problems from the diuretics, you might want to ask your healthcare provider if there are alternative medications. And uh, there's some studies that show that coenzyme Q10, Hawthornberry, uh, and even magnesium can help lower blood pressure. But again, make sure you do not stop taking your blood pressure medication unless you are under close watch of your physician. Okay, we finally made it to the fifth and last class of medications that can deplete nutrients from your body. All right, and these are birth control pills. Uh, birth control pills were first approved back in the 1960s for women as a means of preventing pregnancy. When used appropriately, they're about 99.7% effective at preventing pregnancy. However, missing a pill or two can uh, result in, um, in pregnancy, as many know quite well. Uh, worldwide, over 100 million women take um, birth control pills. Okay, So in addition to concerns about you know, potential increased risk for stroke or blood clots or heart disease or breast cancer, from these medications. That's a whole other uh, lecture, a whole other podcast, but these uh, birth control pills are known to deplete B vitamins and magnesium. So if they're prescribed to you, you probably wanna take a prenatal vitamin at minimum, okay? Most women on birth control pills will also need to supplement magnesium, especially if you notice uh, muscle cramps and tension headaches and get occasional heart palpitations. But otherwise, the other main nutrients that are depleted uh, by birth control pills include calcium, magnesium, vitamin C, zinc, folic acid, vitamin B2, vitamin B6, vitamin B12, and vitamin D. So 
So again, if you're on a birth control pill, consider supplementing a good quality multivitamin. You may need some additional calcium, 500 milligrams daily, uh, magnesium chelate, uh, a B-complex vitamin, vitamin C, uh, zinc, again, 10 to 25 milligrams, which is present in a uh, multivitamin, and then vitamin D as well, between uh, 1,000 to 5,000 units daily, okay? So again, to sum it up, if you have any concerns that, uh, you know, whether or not your medication is affecting your nutritional status, consult with your physician, share this podcast with your physician. Remember, you know, this information is not routinely taught to us physicians in medical school. Actually, it's probably not taught at all. So I was interested in nutrition, health. So I went out of my way to learn more about it. Okay. And, you know, some of these nutritional tests may or may not be covered by insurance, but for the most part, they are if your doctor uses the right code. If you want more information on how to find out about nutritional deficiency, you can click on the link up in the description. It shows the article that I wrote on uh, iHerb.com. I also used uh, several references, including a book by Dr. Hyla Class. It's called Supplement Your Prescription. It was copywritten back in, it was written back in 2007. There's also an excellent book out there called uh, Drug Muggers by Susie Cohen. Um, and that was published in 2011. So these are a couple of excellent books that talk about nutritional deficiencies that are caused by pharmaceutical drugs. God bless and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is not intended to provide diagnoses, treatment, or medical advice. It is for informational purposes only. Please consult with your own personal physician or other healthcare professional uh, if you have any um, medical or health-related problems. Information on this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for advice from a healthcare professional. Any claims made about specific products throughout my um, podcast are not approved to diagnose, treat, or cure or prevent disease. Thank you.